Hey, welcome to episode number 75 of the Debt Free Dad podcast. You know, one of the biggest arguments I hear about credit scores is you need to have a credit score and more importantly, a good one if you ever want to buy a home. But do you is the question for today's show because my wife and I just got a mortgage with no credit score, no credit score whatsoever. Now you might be thinking, how is that even possible? And that's what today's show is all about. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Debt-Free Dad Podcast, where we're helping normal, everyday people learn how to save money and kick debt so they can live a happier and stress-free life. Now, here's your host, Debt-Free Dad, Brad Nelson. Hey, 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 how's everyone doing today? You can find me on Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and Instagram. Just search Brad Nelson, Debt-Free Dad, and we would love to connect with you on one of those social platforms. So before we even talk about this, I think it's probably a good idea just to provide a little bit of background on our situation, my wife and I's situation, our family, uh, just to be fair, because, um, you know, we want to just be fully transparent on on how we did this, how it got started, uh, and kind of walk you through how we were able to make a home purchase uh, without a credit score. Uh, Yes, we took out a mortgage. We did not need a, uh, a credit score or a FICO score to do that. And so I wanted, what I want to do is just kind of walk you through how all of this played out. And uh, it's been quite a journey to actually get to the point of where we are today. Uh, so a little bit of background on us. Sarah and I both lost our homes uh, back in 2012 uh, to foreclosure. Both of us had very similar situations. We both bought a house. Neither one of us could afford on our owns or on our own. Uh, both of us got divorced. So neither of us could, you know, the other partner that we were with, they couldn't afford it. We couldn't afford it. Um, so we had to uh, short sell. So we had very similar situations. Completely different. We we weren't even dating at this point, but we all had very similar situations when it came to the the whole house. So uh, Sarah and I actually, for our, our houses foreclosed very uh, timely to one another. Like hers was in the fall and mine was like middle of winter. So they were very close. Um, and when Sarah was getting out of debt, and we had Sarah on the podcast uh, a couple uh, a couple weeks ago, and she shared how she got out of debt, how she paid off thirty three thousand dollars in eleven months, and uh, Sarah's credit was absolutely awful. Like I don't, I don't even know if you'd call it a credit score at that point. It was really bad. She was behind on just about everything. She's behind in her car loan. She's behind on credit cards. Like, like there was no prayer that Sarah was ever going to be lent any money anytime soon. To especially to buy a house. And same thing for me. Uh, I paid all my bills on time. In fact, the very first bill I was ever laid on was that mortgage that I ended up having to foreclose and eventually short sell. Um, But that on your credit does not look very good. So for me, I knew I was at least three years from ever being able to buy a house, you know, in, in the immediate future. So obviously we had no choice but to rent. And we ended up renting for uh, eight years. In fact, we just did a podcast back in, what was it, like February, March, guys, on uh, renting and how renting isn't a sin. And I would highly recommend that you check that out because a lot of people think that um, if you're renting, that's just a waste of money. And, and I just completely disagree with that. It's not. In fact, renting was what really helped us get to where we are today and being able to make this home purchase. And if you do it the right way, renting can be a really great thing to help you get your finances in order to make a big move like buying a house and, and or opening a business and doing the things that you want to do. Also, for Sarah and I, we didn't want any debt. Like, none. 
we didn't want any. Mortgage was the only thing that we were willing to go into debt for. But everything else, like cars, I mean, stuff that we wanted, vacations, an RV that we have, like we wanted to pay cash for everything. So for us, like this whole idea that's out there, I need to rebuild my credit. Like that wasn't even part of our plan. Like we did not want to rebuild our credit. To us, we played with debt. We lost. We were broke. We were tired of being stressed. We were tired of living paycheck to paycheck. And we're like doing it the way that they say that you should do it. And it's like, this sucks. Like we don't want anything to do with this anymore. So Sarah and I decided to to take kind of the hard way out and in regards to making purchases. And, and it took some time, but over time, things became easier to pay cash for. Things like cars. We we bought a, a 30-foot RV. And like we were able to do those things over time as our finances improved. But essentially, our goal was we eventually knew that we needed to wait at least seven years before we make a home purchase. And the reason I say seven years is because we wanted to make sure all the bad marks that were on, especially Sarah's credit report, had fallen off because it takes seven years for all of those bad marks to actually eventually be wiped away from your from your FICO score, right? So being that we had no debt over those seven years, nobody was reporting on us, all right? So by the time we had made our home purchase, like we were non-existent when it came to them checking our credit score. In fact, I have a letter from the lender that we're going to frame, and it actually says right on the letter that your credit score does not exist. Like you are not in the system, which is a really proud moment for us because we had worked seven years to get to that point of having no credit score. I wanted to kind of just share a little bit of the backstory about why we did what we did, why we made those decisions. Another big reason why we waited so long too is we we wanted to open up our own businesses. You know, Sarah runs her own business. I run my own business. We both work out of our home. Uh, we, we've talked about this a lot on this show. You know, we wanted to have more control over our time, more control of how we spent that time, when we work, where we work. We wanted to be, spend more time with our kids. So renting for seven or eight years really helped us get established. We had low rent, cheap rent, and that allowed us to put more money in our businesses and get them to the point where we could live off the income of these businesses. So it was a step-by-step process and and it took time and it was not easy all the time. The next point I want to talk about too is when I say no credit, all right, we literally had no credit score. That means we didn't have bad credit and we didn't have good credit. Like we had no credit, all right? And there's a big difference between having no credit score versus having bad credit, okay? So if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I've got bad credit, I need to listen to this because I want to buy a house, you're probably not going to get a house if you have bad credit because they're they're looking up your credit score and you do have a credit score, it's just not a very good one. Whereas in our case, we didn't have one because there was nothing being reported on us for seven years. So it was non-existent. So that's why we were able to qualify for this special type of mortgage for people who live a debt-free lifestyle and don't have a credit score, all right? So bad credit essentially means that you are showing a history of mishandling your debt and your payments. And of course, when the mortgage company sees that, they're gonna be like, uh, yeah, we you have a history of not making your bills on time, not paying things, and that's gonna, that's gonna cause some issues. You're not gonna get a loan in those situations. So next, I wanna talk a little bit about the whole process of getting this loan because when you go to get a mortgage, there's traditional underwriting, okay? And traditional underwriting is going to heavily weigh on your credit score and much of the process is actually done using computerized models. So like for instance, for people like us who are debt-free, 
if we used traditional underwriting and we we actually did go to a few mortgage companies who used traditional underwriting, knowing that we didn't have a credit score and we told them up front, like, hey, we're looking for someone who can lend us money because we do not have a credit score. Uh, they turned us down because using the traditional underwriting process, these computerized models, your credit score is a big part of that because we didn't have one. They immediately turned us down. And it was a phone call, and that was pretty much it, right? So there are certainly plenty of lenders out there who would not lend money to us. So there are some out there who will, but there are far and few between versus people who are doing the traditional underwriting. So what we did was manual underwriting. We went to a lender who did manual underwriting. So essentially what mean, what that means is that they don't use computers. They use real human beings like me, and they get all of, and collect all of your financial information, you know, so like the traditional bank statements and taxes and, um, you know, investment accounts. And they, I mean, they want all of that stuff. Right. And the difference between traditional and manual is and the manual underwriter is an actual person that's going to go through your financial information and use logic and reason, knowing that you don't have a credit score, knowing that you live a debt free lifestyle. And they basically just want to make sure that you are handling your money properly. Now, they they want they are also checking alternative trade lines, things like and we're going to talk a little bit about this, um, some of the re- some of the requirements that we had to meet. But things like you know paying your rent on time, you know your your electric bill. They wanted to make sure both of our names were on the electric bill, and that electric bill was getting paid on time. So there there were still some trade lines and things that they were checking out, but they were non traditional trade lines, things that normally wouldn't be looked at in a traditional underwriting process. So in manual underwriting, there was just a special set of circumstances. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break and then I want to come back and talk a little bit about some of the rules or I guess, you know, because this was a lot more of a strict process. This isn't for everybody. So I want to talk about what those requirements were for us to meet in order for them to be willing to lend us money to get a mortgage. Stay tuned. Hey, if you love planners, this is for you. But do you know why planners frustrate me, though? Because they only get it half right. Now, sure, they're really fancy at helping you manage your time, which is really important. But where they get it wrong is money. Most planners don't include any financial planning. Things like keeping track of paydays, bills and due dates, spending, yearly expenses, budgets, cash flow planning, debt elimination plans, goal planning. And that's a real pain. Then you've got to go and create your own. And who's got time for all of that? So instead, what happens? Nothing. We ignore our finances even more and things only get worse. Well, that all ends right now today. I am so excited to announce the release of our brand new, totally awesome debt freedom planner. Now, before you say, Brad... I've already got a planner. Well, this is not your ordinary day planner. This debt freedom planner is a companion tool that works with your day planner to help you save more money, pay off more debt, and melt away financial stress. This is literally the tool that we've all been waiting for that works with your planner to help you take control of your money. So head on over to therealdebtfreedad.com. Click on the debt freedom planner in the menu to get all the details to order your very own debt freedom planner today. Hey guys, we are back talking a little bit about our journey of purchasing a home and getting a mortgage without a credit score. And uh, the next thing I want to talk a little bit about is the the how strict they were with this whole process of things that we had to meet. So number one, uh, they definitely looked at employment. And being that both my wife and I are uh, self-employed, they wanted to make sure like, like you just didn't open this business like a month ago, right? <laughs> like you know, they they wanted to see that there was history there, and uh, my wife's been in business now for man 
eight or nine years. I've been in business now for uh, six, going on six years now. So there's plenty of history there. So there was no worry about any of that. And when you run your own business, you got to submit different paperwork than say someone who's self-employed, self or I'm sorry, uh, employed, regular employed, W-2 employee. Uh, you know, you're you're turning in your W-2s, you're turning your taxes, whereas a self-employed business, you know, we're turning in like a P&L statement. So they want to make sure that the businesses are profitable, that they're making money, that you're actually paying yourself and all of those types of things. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we had to have on-time rent payments up to uh, two years of on-time rent payments. Okay, so you couldn't be late on any rent, which was no issue for us. We were never late in eight years that we were renting. Uh, we had to have at least a minimum of a 10% down payment, minimum. That was the, they didn't have like any 3% or, or any no money down type deals. Like it was 10%, all right? Uh, we had to be able to cover our mortgage for one year without income. That was another big one that they mentioned. It was one of the first questions that they asked me when I was going through the process that like, before you go through all this work, we just want to be clear that one of the requirements is that you have to cover your mortgage for one year without having any income. Like if you had an emergency come up or you couldn't make money for a year, you're going to be able to cover your mortgage. And like we talk about on the show with all you guys all the time, that emergency fund savings was a big part of why this, this was met because we planned for that. We knew that going into a house like, hey, we're going to need a substantial emergency fund savings to cover us in case things happen. And they look at that, which is a great thing, in my opinion, that they should be looking at, that you are able to cover emergency expenses when owning a home because a lot of people aren't and that puts them further into debt. Right. The other thing is, is we had to be patient. Like this process took a long time. In fact, the approval process took about two months, 60 days. We started back in like mid-December, I think. And I don't think we got final approval. I think it was even longer than 60 days because the holidays were in there. Uh, I think we actually finally got approved like towards the end of February, beginning of March, I think is when we finally got that approval. Um, so it took some time and, you know, they would come back and we'd submit information and then a few weeks we wouldn't hear anything and then they would ask us for more information and more information and my left arm, right? I mean, it was just like one thing after another that they kept asking for. And another thing when it comes to credit scores, a lot of people say is, well, and this goes for all loans, right? Um, one of the reasons why people say you should have good credit is because you get lower interest rates, which is true. Right. If you have good credit, you typically get the best interest rates. So someone out there might be thinking, well, yeah, sure, you got a mortgage, but you're probably not paying the same interest rate as, say, someone who's got great credit. And that's actually false. Right. Now, there is one caveat to this. If we opted for a 30 year fixed rate mortgage, um, our interest rate would have been about one or two point points higher than, say, someone with excellent credit. So there is some truth to that, that we would have had to pay more interest. However, we never planned on purchasing a home for a 30-year fixed mortgage. And one of the big reasons for that is interest that you're going to pay over those additional 15 years. It is staggering. It's a staggering number, the difference between a 15 and a 30-year. Make sure you check the math if you're going to buy a house. You will be blown away by how much you'll save in interest by just dropping down to a 15. All right. So when we opted for a 15-year fixed rate mortgage, we have the exact same interest rate as, say, someone who's got perfect credit, which is crazy, right? That whole thing goes completely against what they say you need a good credit score for is that we did it with no credit score and we still managed to get a great interest rate. Same as someone who's got perfect credit, right? So the other thing that we want to talk about too, is that we were, we were really prepared for this and we didn't like start looking at houses. Like this is something that I've known about for many years. I've known how this process was going, going to work 
we were patient, we got ourselves set up financially, and when it all went down, the process actually went very, very smooth. I was actually pretty amazed after that pre-approval process was done, because that was the hard part, getting through those first 60 to 70 days. After that, it was like a breeze. Like We had hardly anything to do between the time that we put in our offer for our house and we actually closed. We had to submit a few more bank statements and things between those months, make sure that everything was up to date. But for the most part, like I was shocked. It went absolutely perfect, and uh, it was smooth sailing the whole way. And now that we're in this house, like we are so glad that we did it the way we did it. And yeah, it took some time. And I understand that the way we did it probably isn't going to work for, well, let's just be, it would work for everybody, but time horizons, what you're dealing with, what your challenges are, it may or may not work for everybody. But Sarah and I were in it for the long run. We knew what we wanted to achieve. And part of me is pretty proud of ourselves for doing what most people said and told me was going to be completely impossible, that we'll never be able to buy a house living a debt-free lifestyle without a credit score. But here we are. (laughs) It's pretty awesome. So, um, And I believe, honestly, the whole manual underwriting process, guys, I think think it should be done for, for everything. I think it should be done for all mortgages because I feel like they really took the time and not in like a really like sneaky way or trying to like dive into information, but they really, they really took the time to make sure that we were in a good position to buy. Like this was going to be a good thing for us, for our family, for what we wanted to do. Um, and for me, that put a lot of ease on me because I know when the first two homes that I purchased working with lenders, it was not like that. And first, my first mortgage that I got back in my early twenties, they actually lied on my application, not me, the lender lied on my application to change my income to get me to qualify for that house because we technically didn't make enough money to buy it. But yet they upped our income to get us to get approved. Like, I did not feel good about that. Like, that whole purchasing process, like, just felt weird and different. And I was not, I was not secure at all. Like, I was a little scared going into this house. I was thinking, like, what is this going on here, right? But of course, you know, I'm in my early 20s. I'm dumb, right? I don't think anything of it. And we keep moving forward. Uh, luckily, nothing happened, but still. But and if I compare those two purchases with those lenders versus the lender I used for this no credit score, it was like a completely different process. So for me, I think I wish a lot more people could go through it this way. And, and they qualified more people for, hey, you have an emergency fund. Hey, you don't have much debt or no debt at all. Like making sure that you are set up for uh, a good home purchase because there's a lot of people that I've worked with over the years who buy themselves a home and it's their it's it's like this big cool thing that they're going to do but then the home becomes the very thing that keeps them broke not necessarily the mortgage but it's all the upkeep that they didn't plan for it's the emergencies when they couldn't make the mortgage payment it's like all of this stuff that they just didn't have in place when they made that home purchase and if more people did that I think they would set themselves up a lot more for success well, the economy is built on credit Right. Especially in America. I mean, that's how we, we, it's built on debt, you know? So, um, I agree. I mean, I think manual underwriting is great. It's, it's weird how in such a short amount of time, how foreign it is, you know, I mean, years ago, that's just the way it was. I mean, that's what you, that's how you would have borrowed money years ago. Um, now it's just, you know, to do that now, your home ownership would just drop because, if you if I would have done that manual underwriting and they sat down with me on my houses, I wouldn't have bought the houses because <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have the money, you know. Um, and I think that's the reality for most people, yeah. like looking at houses. I mean, if they went through that process, 
most people looking at a lot of the houses, I shouldn't say most, a lot of people buying houses are buying houses overextending themselves, like you said, and they're buying more house than what they really should be. Um, and people don't want to be told that they shouldn't buy that. They want to be told, yeah, you can, you can afford that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that brings up a good point though. And, and I think we should mention this on this show. Like if you're going through the home pro- buying process, like I, I know that lenders are supposed to be fiduciaries, meaning that they have your interests first and foremost in place. Like it's not the bank. That is BS, right? That is for most of them. Not all of them, but most of them. Most of them are in the business of giving you a loan and they're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that that happens, right? So that's the other reason why it's so important to educate yourself, listen to shows like this, research, do your homework, because you are your own best financial advocate. They're not going to advocate for you. You got to do it yourself. You got to know what you can afford because in a lot of cases, especially in those first two home purchases that I made, even this one, they were willing to give us more money if we wanted it. Like they were willing to do more than what we wanted. And and we could have easily taken on more and taken on more of a payment. But just because they're willing to give it to you doesn't necessarily mean that you can afford the payment, right? And what's comfortable and what's going to help you live a lifestyle that you want to live and not just be house poor and living in this house, right? So I would encourage any of you out there who are about to go through the home purchase process or, you're, or you want to, um, making sure that you become educated in the process and understanding how this works because you will set yourself up for success and you could save yourself a lot of heartache in the future, knocking yourself into something that you can't afford. So again, to, to all the doubters out there that, that told me, this is specifically for all of you, I told you so. I told you we would be able to do it. <laughs> and uh, and here we are. So we're going to do some quick celebrations. Stay tuned, guys. Hey, hey, what's this I see? I thought this was a party. Let's do All right, all right. That's all means it's time for the celebrations of the show. And today we're kicking it off with Jess Frazier. Man, another big one from Jess. She is just cranking it. Paid $4,672 towards debt and added $1,000 to one of my sinking funds. Got back on track with cooking and eating at home more. And I just want to say this about Jess. Like when she first got started, she wasn't pulling $4,672 months and saving $1,000 in her sinking fund when she first got started in Roots. But this is the power of what we always talk about here on this show is, is momentum and just consistently doing it day in and day out. And if you do that, the longer you do it, the bigger the wins get. And Jess's journey is uh, just proof of that. It's so awesome. So good for her. Mary Southern, I spent the week bailing hay so I didn't have time to spend money. <laughs> That's awesome. Mary, <laughs> Mary lives on a ranch down in Texas. I always tell her, I was like, I need to take a week off just so I can come work on your ranch. Like she'll post pictures on Facebook. She's She's riding horses and and just doing all sorts of cool ranch type things. My allergies would probably kill me, but I would still like to go give it a try. (laughs) It looks like a lot of fun. I just think of the movie City Slickers. (laughs) A few 40-year-olds going down there to (laughs) live our dream. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Alessandra Sanchez, uh, I paid off the first half of the month's bills, have my emergency fund up to $1,800, and now starting a general savings account with $300. Awesome. 
Those are some great wins. Tammy Yankee, I paid off a small debt for $155. Awesome. Paid another $966 to other debt and put $150 in a savings account. Started working on the next month's budget. That is awesome. Great job, Tammy. Brenda Hoffman, my husband and I completed day 20 of no eating out. That's huge. As previously, we ate out at least three meals each week, including Friday fish fry and Sunday after church with the whole family. We still are having those family meals. We just cooking, we're just cooking them at home. I personally am loving the time at home with family. Yeah, that is awesome. Congratulations to you guys. That is, uh, that is huge. Good for you. Uh, Lauren Jackson, bonus check deposited today. So that means $500 to vacation and $500 to an extra car payment. Awesome. Congratulations to you, Lauren. And for those of you guys who are still doing your uh, eating at home challenges, uh, we're still doing it too. Uh, as of this recording of this podcast, uh, we are approaching 400 straight days of eating at home. We haven't quit yet. <laughs> I, I don't so know. You know. I went out to eat today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what we're waiting for. Like I keep, we keep saying, Hey, do you just want to go get something to eat? Yeah. We still like, we've gone Man. so long. It's just so Crazy. hard. To, it's so hard to break it. It's so hard. It's so hard to break it. I don't know what's going to break it. I think we need to have like one of those really nice sit down expensive meals to, to probably make it worth it. <laughs> <laughs> but just wanted to give you guys an update. So thanks for hanging out with us here today. We love your feedback and it also helps us grow our podcast. So please leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts. We read every single one of those. And as you know, the Debt Free Dad podcast is here to help you live a happier and stress-free financial life. So if you know someone who could benefit from our show, please give us a share. We appreciate you and we'll see you guys on an upcoming episode. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Debt-Free Dad Podcast. For more free resources to kick debt and financial stress, head over to therealdebtfreedad.com.